Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and on this episode I'm speaking to the Editor-in-Chief of Glamour, Joe Elvin. Now, I popped over to Glamour head offices a few weeks ago and we had uh, a magical mystery tour of a conversation. If you listen to this podcast, you know that it can start off somewhere and end up somewhere else. <laughs> and sometimes it really is... Um, an adventure on how we get there. That's what happened in this conversation. Um, I know a lot of you have been writing in asking me to talk a bit more about products in these introductions, so uh, that's exactly what I wanted to do in this episode. I'm going to reference my most recent Instagram post. Um, I did a selfie. If you listen to my podcast with Sam and Nick from Pixie Woo, you'll know how I really feel about selfies. I encourage you to listen to that. Please do not think that I am one of those who take selfies because I think it's awesome. Um, but I wanted to, I was very lucky, I got hold of the Chrissy Teigen palette with Becca and I wanted to smear it all over my face immediately because there's been lots of buzz about it and I wanted to see whether it lived up to the hype and I have to say I was so impressed, so so impressed. It's a four colour palette, so you've got a bronzer and a blusher. The bronzer is a very, what's the, what's the best way to describe it? It's very wearable, blendable, as, as is the blusher. They're sort of matte, satiny kind of finish. And the highlighters have the place of prominence, and you have one that's rose gold, and you have one that's kind of like a peachy, peach mulberry highlighter. And they just have the ability, when you blend them in and don't be heavy-handed with this palette because the payoff is really quite good they just have the ability to just make your skin look a bit more expensive which sounds like a weird word to use to describe skin but it's just just like advert airbrushing it just gives that kind of it highlights without looking conspicuous you know some highlighters end up looking a bit metallic or a bit cakey and a bit white there's none of that they sort of I I am sort of light olive skin tone but it just warms, it has this ability to really warm and flatter the skin, which I think is what you really want from a highlighter or an enhancer. So I created a look using just that. So all I had on, other than the Chrissy Teigen palette, was um, a little bit of the new YSL um, sponge gel touch uh, foundation under the eyes, around the nose and chin. That was that. And then this week, I also discovered the Transformulas um, Hydration Gold. It's like a gel cream, but it's got 23 carat, 23 carat, 23 carat gold powder in. And if I just use um, one of the Real Techniques bold metal brushes and just dust that, almost like buff it into my skin, it's, yes, you could use it on a no makeup day as, 
no makeup days, which obviously require makeup, by the way. Um, you could use it as a highlighter, but it's it just does this thing of just lifting the complexion very, very subtly. And there's also hydration in there. It's full of hyaluronic acid. So my skin does tend to get, get quite dry, particularly at the moment um, with it being as warm as it is. So I like to add that on top of my skincare as an sort of extra layer to keep my skin hydrated through the day. Then I mixed the rose gold highlighter and the bronzer to create eyeshadow. Used a little bit of the highlighter directly sort of around my tear duct to sort of give that sort of to draw the eye in. I was really impressed. I'm not normally a palette fan if I'm honest. I think there's always a duff colour in there that doesn't quite work. Um, I've had... I won't name the brand because I just think it's not really fair to do bad reviews because every product suits somebody. But I've had some some palettes recently that I've just not been able to get my head around at all. I just thought there's a certain type of skin tone it suits, so but it's a suits all category. This I think could make everybody's skin could enhance everybody's skin. My only word of caution with it is just be don't be heavy handed, be gentle with it, and it will reward you. Um, it's been a big week. We had a general election. <laughs> Love Island started, so lots has been going on. Um, I also uh, exhibited signs of a midlife crisis. I had the best haircut of my life, I think, at Hershison's this week with a guy called Premley uh, booking. We had a really good chat. My hair was sort of midway down my back, way past the bra strap length. Really heavy at the back where I've got lots of fine hair, but... Um, there's lots of it but it's fine but it gets very very heavy and then sort of towards the front if you listen to this podcast you'll know that my hair is thinning and I've had alopecia so I've kind of had this heavy weight of hair pulling all that thin hair down and I said I don't want to cut it all off I don't want to do this and I was being a bit of a brat and he sort of tentatively started saying well you know I need to take a, a bit of the length off and then I just said you know what just do what's going to look amazing and that's such a gamble and I'm not suggesting that you go to a hairdresser's and just say, do what you like. He has cut my hair before, but by Jiminy, he did something and he took a lot of hair off, but it looks in great condition. It looks fuller. Um, I'm really happy with it. Take a look at Instagram if you're interested. It, he just did a sterling job, so thank you, Premley. The other signs of a midlife crisis, other than cutting off a lot of my hair, although it doesn't look like I've had loads cut off, which is genius, is that... Um, I've always wanted to play a musical instrument, never have. So on Monday, I, in a fit of pique, marched down to my local Argos and bought a keyboard. <laughs> and then I've set it up in the kitchen and I'm now teaching myself how to play City of Stars from La La Land and um, Adele, someone like you, um, in my free time. I'm really enjoying it, but we are four days in, so speak to me in a month. I then sent a picture of it to Caroline Hirons and said, get ready, we're going on tour because obviously we're going to start a singing duo. And the other thing that happened was after, 30 years after having my ears pierced, I was like, do you know what, I want another, I want another piercing. It's time, I'm going to get another piercing. So I, after my haircut with Prem, I went into Metamorphosis in Topshop on Oxford Street, and I was like, oh yeah, hi, yeah, I know I want a piercing, thanks. And um, met this lovely girl, Maddie, who had makeup that was so gorgeous. I wanted to just take many, many photos of her face. She was so cool. She'd been inspired by Ghost in the Shell. So it was all kind of, it was really, really amazing. And she'd done an absolutely fabulous job. And she was also very, very sweet. 
because I am a complete and utter chicken. So even though I was like, yeah, yeah, I want a piercing, I was actually ready to bottle it. And because I thought, oh, needles, needles. And she said, are you all right there? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, no, of course. Um, I was just looking for a piercing, you know, just anything. And, but at this point I'm thinking, you need to get out of here, you need to get out of here. And um, so I thought, well, I'll ask a difficult question. And then that will be like, oh no, I'll do it another time. So I said, can I just check, is it hygienic? And then she said, well, come in, I'll show you. And it was all completely hygienic, one use. Um, it's not like a gun when I had my ears pierced before when you sort of put the lobe into like a little space and then it was a kind of a big contraption. This is like a little stapler thing and it was all one use. And so once I was in the room, there was nothing I could do about it and actually it didn't hurt, she was completely right. And so the reason why I'm flagging this up as a midlife crisis is because I went back three days later and got two more. So I now have three piercings in one ear, two piercings in the other, and I cannot wait to start wearing some lovely jewellery because at the moment I've got very um, ordinary studs, but you know I cannot wait for some hoops and stuff to go in there. So that's what's been happening this week. In this episode uh, where I chat to Joe Elvin, who is the editor-in-chief of uh, Glamour, we talk about um, so much. We talk about TV binging, we talk about feminism, pursuing your dreams, uh, we talk about uh, the world of media and influencers. It's just a very broad chat. It was recorded a few weeks ago, um, just before the the Glamour Awards, which were also this week. It was another huge week in London. As you can imagine, editing one of the biggest magazines in the country, Jo was very, very busy, so I was very grateful that she was able to give me an hour of her time to be able to record this episode of the show. Everything that we discuss, all of the links will be in the show notes over on emmaguns.com. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the show, just head over there, so that's emmaguns.com, click, em click the envelope, and that message will come directly to my inbox. And I do promise that I get back to those messages personally and as quickly as I can. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's very simple. You can send that email or you can go to Twitter. You can at me, I'm at Emma Guns, or you can go over to Instagram and comment under any of the pictures. Again, over there, I'm at Emma Guns, and I also respond to direct messages. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who's been writing reviews over on iTunes because... In the last few weeks, there have been some just incredible reviews that have brought tears to my eyes, that have melted my cold black heart. You've been so generous to take the time to do that. I really, really appreciate your support. It really does mean the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right, let's get on with the show. It's time for The Emma Gunn Show featuring Joe Elvin. Glamour HQ and I am joined by Joe Elvin. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> it's nice of me to join you in my office. <laughs> yeah. This is the most intimidating room that I've ever podcasted really? in. This is oh, it's the, just a mess. This yeah. is the same room that I podcasted with um, Alessandra yeah, Steiner yeah. and I'm uh, in the shadow of the Hey It's Okay podcast equipment. If you aren't subscribed and listening to that, please do because it's incredibly Thank awesome. Thank you very much. And that leads me in really nicely because as Joe just sat down, um, I just said, hey, us podcasters have got to stick together and there's been lots in the news and lots of conjecture about 2017 being the year of the podcast. Um, why did Why did you decide to add that to the... Well, it's funny, like 2017, I've been listening to podcasts for, 
I don't know how many years. And I just really, really wanted to do one. And it was um, just fortuitous that last year, Acast got in touch and said, you know, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I said, yes, I've thought about it for years, <laughs> but I don't actually know what to do and how to go about it. So they've been very, very supportive in that way. And I, I, it's just the idea, our, hey, it's okay, was it was just a natural thing that I always wanted to do is, you know, basic, basically bringing to life all the stupid crap we talk about in features meetings, really. <laughs> so, you know, and there's like light and shade. We, we start out like trying to make it like play it for laughs and to be lighthearted. But then it's interesting how often something that you thought was going to be funny turns mm. out to be quite deep and mm. vice versa. And I just love, it's what I love about Glamour is the variety of the content. And so there's mm. really we talk about anything and everything on that podcast as well and it can go anywhere like you say it can start off with a light-hearted sort of you know group around the microphones and then as you get into it I've listened to a few and I'm like I'm hooked and I think oh, thank you no I do I think it's excellent and it as you say it's, it's an extension of what glamour does and a lot of people write into this show and ask about working on magazines because they know that that's what I've done for years as well. Yeah. And you just talked about being in features meetings. And I try to explain sometimes to people what they like because they are slightly bonkers, aren't they? Yeah, I think, you know, it just depends. I've always run them very loosely with just a bit of structure. There are some editors who it's go around the room, tell me your three ideas and tell me your mm. three <laughs> headlines for them. And I, I just don't find that particularly productive. I, I like to put aside an hour and a half for them and you know somebody might have a germ of an idea that turns into something else when we all mm. kind of what's the the trendy thing to say is we workshop it you know <laughs> so um you know i i guess so yeah you end up just having a laugh along the way of trying to come up with the right set of ideas at any one time for that magazine and, and website and it can be a little bit like lightning in a bottle I think when you when you say someone has that germ of an idea and then everyone else pitches in and it's suddenly yeah exactly I mean you know sometimes you will talk for half an hour on something that goes nowhere mm. and that that's a bit of a risk but that's my job my job is to steer everybody and decide when we need to stop talking about this and move on to something else so yeah. Indeed. I do yeah. need to find out from you, though. What were the podcasts that you were listening to? Because you said that you've been listening to them for years. Um, well, I think for me, the first one was probably um, Adam and Joe used to do a podcast of their... They had a, the Saturday morning show on mm. BBC Six. And then I never got to listen to that because I wasn't up early enough. I wasn't in... What did they call Black Squadron? I wasn't, I wasn't one of the dedicated <laughs> ones there early in the morning. But I would always listen to... They always did a best of bit from that which is absolutely hilarious, and I miss it. But then we've got Adam Buxton's mm -hmm. amazing podcast now to listen to, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I loved... Um, I was listening to WTF for many, many years before it became as big as it was. Mm. And I think that... that's if For those who don't know, that's it's it literally is What the Fuck mm -hmm. with Mark Maron. And he was... Uh, he is a comedian who wasn't as successful as some of his peers, and so he was looking at like people like... Chris Rock and Louis C.K. who came up with him and he started interviewing them all in his mm. garage in L.A. The cat house. Yeah, and it became... It, it, I mean, it's so amazing to listen to because it's all these people who I admire listening to their failures and ups and downs and their neuroses and mm. all of that. And he's just... Because he knows that world and knows them, he's a brilliant interviewer. Mm. So it's always really entertaining. But I always found that, in a small way inspiring for us we've been doing our podcast for about six months now and it probably took his quite a while mm. to become a big thing I don't think we're ever going to be as big as WTF or anything like that but I just I it really spoke to me I was really inspired by he was 
committed to it. And mm. I think we, I don't think we would bother doing a podcast if we didn't like yeah. doing it because you're not going to make millions out of it or anything like that. But mm. it's it's just it's just fun, and I think it's a good extension and another way to consume glamour mm. that I think is interesting for people. Because that's a very interesting point: the fact that the the way that people consume. Mm their media is just changed and evolved and you've been at Glamour for years since the beginning yeah I distinctly remember coming back from work and buying the first ever Glamour and it was a big thing because it was a mini magazine it was a big thing because it was mini yeah 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 and it was Kate Winslet on the cover that's right yes and I bought it in Waterloo Station on my way home from work and devoured the entire thing oh and you have been here since yeah (laughs) (laughs) how because the one thing I've, I've always wondered is when you helm such a huge title that has such an engaged, massive following, how do you not succumb to the bubble? Because it would be easy to live in a glamour bubble, but the fact that you are picking from outside and constantly, how do you do that? Well, I think that if you have to work at doing that, there's a problem. Mm. I think that we're journalists. We're always interested in what's going on. We're Mm. always interested in other mediums how other people are doing things I talk to the readers every day whether that be on social media or just emails or I make sure that um, the team is a really good mix of people from you know different ages different experiences different skills Mm. Um, I don't know it's hard to unpick it any more than that you Mm. just if you're interested in stuff if you're interested hopefully I'm interested in what the audience is interested in Mm. um that's all I can say, yeah. really. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, that actually leads into another thing that I've got down here, which is about team building. You have accumulated an incredible team. Well, they're fantastic. Yeah. I couldn't do it without them. They make me look very good indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the listeners know Alex because she's been on this podcast. But when it comes to beauty journalists, and again, she didn't stay in the bubble. She spotted that there was an opportunity with social media. Yeah. And by Jiminy, has she dominated that space. Yeah. Her lipstick's just come out. I mean, gathering someone like that, did, did you see, do you see that in her? You're like, I can see that she's Oh, I think, you know, she's always been um, very, very hardworking and very passionate about what she does. Mm. And even, you know, Alex and I started working together before... Instagram was a thing Mm. but she's like most people on the team just endlessly curious about Mm. everything else going on around them and I just don't think that how do you bring stuff to what we're doing if you're not like that Mm. so yeah if you're not looking if you're not colouring outside the lines yeah exactly (laughs) Um, interesting you talk about Mark Maron because I think one of the things I love about his podcast is the way he sort of normalises celebrities I don't know if you've listened to the Kristen Wiig interview um, I have but a while ago yeah that I mean I was on the treadmill listening to that and just ended up having to stop because I was just completely blown away you have huge stars in the pages of Glamour do you like to do a similar thing do you like to sort of make it more real well I think that um, the audience likes to find ways in which they identify with that person so yes we're always looking for the human stories from them um I don't know it really depends who it is everybody every celebrity is different every celebrity's got things about them that you want to know that are different to you know so I think that it, it really depends who it is I don't set out to strip them back and 
you know, get them telling stories about how they farted in bed that morning or anything like that. But I, you know, but I, I don't know. That's a hard one to answer because it really depends on who it is. I just think that we like um, funny, interesting, accomplished women, mm-hmm. and we like to celebrate them. But we also like to learn from them yeah. in our pages, and I think that that's what our readers respond to. Absolutely, because when you pick up that magazine, you never. It's not candy floss. You come away and it sticks to you in the sense of you read a celebrity interview and you've created some sort of emotional bond with well, the cover star. It's in, I think with Glamour, we would never put somebody on the cover who we didn't like in some way. Mm. So I think that it's always a very positive read. Mm. Um, but I think that there's an assumption, particularly with women's magazines, that um, that... Uh, it's a, it really annoys me actually there's a lot of people who's like oh so you don't pay the cover stars it's like no we don't pay the cover stars we don't there's no copy approval there's no picture approval there's no there's none of that but I think the celebrities know that in glamour we won't shy away from asking the questions that people want to know about mm. but they know it's probably the nicest most trusted environment that they will do that because we like we, we don't put people on the cover who we don't like mm. um and I don't know, I just find that that's not something that our readers would respond to. So it's, it's always very positive. Mm. Um, but I do, I, you know, most of the time, as long as that celebrity brings, you know, their end of the bargain to that, because it's, you know, it's a, mm. it's a transaction at the end of the day. And Absolutely. I think that it's, as long as they're willing to give a little bit of their personality, I don't need to know every gritty personal detail that they don't mm. want to reveal. But I feel like... It's, I do think it's a celebrity's job to have parts of themselves that they're happy to mm. be honest about. And, exactly. Yeah, otherwise, it's not an interesting interview. So, yeah. And like you say, it's transactional. You give them a comfortable environment yeah. in which to do that in a way in which they feel comfortable. And I think most of them get that. So, mm. yeah. And as, as well as having access to all these incredible stars, I've been to the Glamour Awards twice. They are incredible. Oh, thank you. The they're coming up soon. I don't awards. know when this is going out, but they're three weeks, so... Yeah. Oh, probably, probably. Yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of the... It's probably one of the most incredible events of the social calendar. <laughs> it's but, very <laughs> nice to hear that, but it's like... It just feels... Particularly at this point when we're organising it, it just feels like, you know, that it's so much pressure. And people say to me, oh, it's always amazing, don't worry, but it's... <laughs> You know, that doesn't happen by accident. So yeah. every year it feels like it, it's not easy because we've done it. It's it's a different group of people. It's a different thing mm. every year. So, yeah. Um, and as well as that, you have another event which is very uh, reader-facing. Yeah. You were talking about chatting to your readers. Uh, I was very lucky. Alex actually uh, invited me to watch her Facebook live with Estée Lalonde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the, at, the, the Glamour Beauty Festival. At yeah. the Glamour Beauty Festival. Now, that's a real enterprise, and that's huge. And I know that some of the listeners were there, because, Debbie, you very kindly came over and said hello. Oh. But it it's very inclusive. Glamour, is, is, is that the new media thing? Is that the fact that they're social? Uh, it's not new for Glamour. Mm. Um, I think that... It's we've always been, and I think particularly um, we're the Condé Nast magazine that's the national magazine. You know, I think Vogue, Tatler, GQ, they're much more urban focused and probably much more London centric. Mm. Uh, we've always been launched to be as much as we possibly can be something that people read from you know the tip of Northern Ireland to down in Cornwall. Mm. Um, but it's 
Yeah, I, I think that that I, I don't know how to edit any other way than mm. to involve the readers and talk to the readers. So it was just a natural thing for us. Our readers love beauty; they love beauty brands. It's it was a it, it was just a logical mm. way to bring brand glamour to mm. to life, really. Yeah. And this and being editor in chief seems to be something that is you completely and utterly you it's in your dna was there ever uh, going to be another um well i've always wanted to work in magazines so that was yeah i don't know about editor-in-chief in my dna i don't know about that it's um you, you know like anybody else you sort of you st- i started out i wanted to write for magazines and i ended up writing for a magazine and you just work your way up from mm. one thing to the other. i think it could be in anybody's dna i think you've just got to make sure you've you're looking out for the right opportunities and and trying to gain the right experience and work really hard, you mm. know, yeah. But to stay in, but to be continue to be doing it and to be one of the biggest names in the country, if not the world, doing it. Oh, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> yeah, I really don't know about that. But it's, um, I think that, well, I don't know. You probably have to ask my employers that. I think it's, you know, I love it. I continue to love it. I love the way it's changed. I love the way it evolves. I like the challenges that that brings. I like the, you know, the difference it's made to the landscape of the office. You know, we didn't have a video producer two years ago. Mm. You know, it's changed. So it's always really interesting to be involved with. Mm. And I love, um, I just love talking to an audience and I love communicating and I love the feedback you get from that audience. So it's it's hard now at my very old age to think what else I would do. I'm sure one day I'll have to figure it out. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I, I've been doing it a long time. Um, because I'm just, I, I feel like I'm being so boring. I, I just really enjoy <laughs> it. You know, I just enjoy it. I don't know how to unpick questions like that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? yeah. It's just what you do. It is. Yes. <laughs> um, where do you see? everything going in terms of uh whenever I go out and have any kind of meeting at the moment people are asking about the influencer bubble whether there's going to be a place for magazines how it's all going to evolve and I just sort of feel like well maybe we should just ride it out rather than as you say unpick it I think we should wait and see I think that it's um look anybody who says they can predict it's going this way or that way is making it up just like the rest of us I think that I'm just I'm sort of like an interested observer at the moment it's um if we're talking about influencers versus other mediums I I don't know if the same as like print versus digital Mm. I don't think it is going to be a case of one or the other I think that both of those business models will grow and evolve and change and morph um I, I I definitely think that it's going to be harder for this influencer bubble to just grow and grow and grow. Mm. I think that there's possibly a little bit of fatigue on the horizon. You know, not everybody can surely tell me not everybody can be paid to go on a Coachella holiday every year. You know, it's (laughs) like, you know, when you sort of like look at your feed and everyone's at the same hotel Mm. doing the same hashtags, you know, it... (laughs) we can't continue to be unjaded about that. Mm. So I think that it may shrink to sort of like the most powerful ones mm. who will be very, very powerful. Mm. Um, the other thing about it is I find uh, a lot of influencers are still 
very, very engaged with wanting to work with print. And that's what I find. It's, you know, a lot of them, their agents are sort of phoning me and I'm sure other magazines constantly, you know, asking about covers, asking Mm -hmm. about any sort of collaborations. And in a lot of ways, that's been really fantastic for us as well. So I don't like... There's no way I'm putting a wall around glamour as... um, being nothing to do with that Mm. and wanting nothing to do with it because I've found it quite beneficial for us to be involved with some influencers and I don't know I just feel like for you know a a women's magazine that's like aiming at 20 to 35 year old women you can't not be part of that conversation you can't Mm. pretend it's not happening yeah but I think that a lot of brands are understanding now that massive massive followings doesn't necessarily translate into massive amounts of uh transactions for you just because that person's stuck their lipstick on stuck your lipstick on their instagram so i think that it's you know i think there's and i think a lot of that is because what started out as people really believing that influencers were all um unbeholden to brands and completely independent voices and Mm. that's changed Mm. because and how can it not so I don't know where those people go when they got to a certain level through sort of like selling themselves as as being authentic Mm. but then now everybody's you know feeds are full of hashtag ad and so I I don't know why that's particularly any different to you know. it, it was very interesting. I was on the train. Uh, you and I are both commuters, and I was on the train the other Ain't day. Ain't it grand? <laughs> and I was um, about to put my headphones in to start listening to a podcast because it was Wednesday and RuPaul's podcast had oh, dropped. Yeah, I got obsessed, and um, I didn't listen to it, so it must have been a big conversation because there was a girl, and I think she was a tween. All right. Oh, young teen. My perspective as I hurtle towards 40 is completely off on what how old teen Well, I have an 11-year-old, so I know quite a lot about it, yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So um, she was with two older people, maybe an aunt or a brother or something, and they were saying, do you know who Angelina Jolie is? And she was like, no. Do you know who Michelle Obama is? No. And they were making fun of her, and then she started rattling off the name of all these YouTubers and influencers. Yeah. And they were like, why do you like these people? So, of course, you can imagine I'm straining to hear every word. And she says, because they talk about makeup, and they do makeup because that's what they love, and they don't work with brands. They're, it's just really... Um, she didn't use the word authentic. She just said it's really honest. Yeah, well, that's interesting, because they're my 11-year-old, nearly 12, who I won't... I'm not going to name the people that she has talked about. But she was obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with a real core Mm. of quite big names. And I've noticed that she hasn't been so much lately. And I said, oh, you know, you don't watch Blah anymore. She said, oh, she's just in it for the money now. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know how old that little girl was that you were talking to, but I think there's a very quick tipping point where they get the way the world works. Yeah. So, and that's what that's why I'm saying this is my little mm. one girl focus group. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So I think that, the, you know, I, I, I think that's a challenge for uh, influencers in that how do you balance, yeah, you want to make money out of this and everybody mm. gets that. How do you balance that with continuing to have that teenage girl believe that everything mm. you say... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is absolutely what you think. Yeah. And the thing that she said that I went away and thought about was she said she does it because she genuinely loves it and not because of anything else. And I thought, well, I became a beauty journalist because I genuinely loved it. And there were, what, 30 jobs, 40 Mm. jobs? So the fact that me, my contemporaries all got those jobs meant that we really loved it and we really went for it and we worked really, really hard. I think that, you know, she's just... Her entry point to media and communication is... YouTube, mm. whereas it wasn't for the people who read magazines. And so, you know, the challenge for us is to be at that entry point. So mm. that's what we're doing now. So, yeah. I love that you have a one-girl focus group. <laughs> yeah. I'm really quite jealous. Um, it can be quite boring sometimes because I don't actually want to sit and watch... You know, 115 million YouTubers, mm. on, you know, but she's always, watch this, watch this. And they're like, you want to watch that? I'm not interested. I, you know, but when I say to her, why do you like so and so on YouTube? She says, I don't know. I just like them. <laughs> so, you know, I don't get much information out of that. So, yeah. It's like, how was school today? Good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What'd you do? <laughs> Stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think it's a new way of socializing that children today, I just heard that, that children maybe in this day and age, don't have that we used to have the luxury of just you know you'd go out on your bike and you'd go playing well they don't have that but I don't think that's necessarily um social media's fault I think that's um parental paranoia and and the media's fault Mm. you know I don't there's I wasn't um I what am I trying to say I was a lot more independent Mm. at her age than she is because I'm scared of yeah there's a lot of horror stories that we're sort of haunted with now absolutely so she's a bit frustrated as all her friends are we're not they're not independent and going out on their own and stuff like that in a way that I was when I was her age Mm. so there's that um I do find I think you've just got to be careful I think we we try to limit her use as much as possible but um she's also got little friends that she's made that she wouldn't have made Mm. without that social media connection um so I don't know. I think it's like, it's the new boogeyman, isn't it? It's the new, when I was a kid, it was whether or not we were all watching too much television. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just up to us as parents to navigate that as much as we can, with the caveat that it's a completely different medium. It's not one that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit harder for us to understand exactly everything it might be doing to them. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, um, friends of mine who have children of a similar age do say, whereas you and I might go to an after-school activity or talk on the phone... Um, they have their socialising by commenting and watching. I think there's a bit of that. I mean, you know, my daughter does dance classes in the afternoon. She does... um, It's not talking on the phone, it's FaceTime, which is the same thing. You know, I would clog my parents' telephone for two hours at a time. Um, She is in the kitchen video chatting with someone she's just spent the entire day at school with but it's you know but that's not really any different you know no, so, not in the slightest. Yeah, yeah I always used to have when you call up anyone's house my dad was always like now ask if it's Mrs so-and-so or had that whole phone manner thing yeah yeah where my parents used to for some reason the etiquette was to say the phone number so yes. 
It was just the most bizarre thing. So, like, I still remember my my childhood phone number because I used to have to say hello six seven three two three one two, and that's what, and and I used that's what they used to make you do, and I just still don't really get that. Yeah. No, I've had to tell my parents, can you stop putting it on the answer machine? Because apparently you're not supposed to do it. Anyone like, hello, this is... Because they still have the same phone it's number. so weird. Yeah. The identity protection and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, where did a lot of... We talk about this with a lot of people, but where did it all begin for you? Where do you think the lightning in the bottle happened that has led you onto this course? Uh, well, it was when I was about 12 and 13 and reading British pop magazines, because I'm from Australia, and... Um, I knew I was I was getting good grades at English. I knew I could write. I was always doing very well in things like creative writing and things like that. And I just, when I realised that there were people out there um, getting paid to write stories with all my favourite bands, that was it. That was, it was like, you know, it was like, oh, my God, I, you know, yes. I can meet pop stars if I do this. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all started. No, nothing noble at all, just... <laughs> Wanted to meet George Michael, you know, which I never did. But yeah. oh no, <laughs> oh god, that's I know. It's really made me feel sad. Yeah, I know. You really, you think I would have after all these years, wouldn't you? But no, never happened. Yeah. Maybe it's good. I do. You, I mean, I've met a few of my heroes, and well, the one I I was the one I didn't meet, um, which I could have met was David Bowie. It's <gasps> like the only. I mean, I've just have you know been madly in love with him since I was about twelve years old, and I. And I was at a GQ Man of the Year Awards many years ago. And I said to his publicist, I cannot believe I'm in the same room as David Bowie. And she grabbed my arm. She was almost like a Chinese burn of an arm because I was like going, no, 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 because I was just, I, I, I couldn't bear the idea of, I know I would have been really embarrassed and shy and said something stupid. Mm. So I'd rather not meet him than yeah, yeah. every time I think of him, think of that idiotic thing I said. So I, mm. that was like, I was, you know so close but I just couldn't do it yeah I think that's a really they, there's that saying don't meet your idols because the, the guilt will come off on your fingertips yeah <laughs> and I do I do believe that I had that with one person Bette Midler was an absolute dream and I honestly think that we could be best friends but that's a little bit ridiculous yeah well you never know yeah. um it's celebrity is kind of a weird thing right now as for the reasons that we've discussed and you've got this huge event coming up I think I've been to a lot of events, but that it really is one of the most star-studded. And a lot of people, as we've talked about guilt on your fingertips, put celebrities up on a pedestal. Do you think that that's changing? No, I don't. Um, I think that people are always be will always be obsessed with people in the public eye, and I don't know why that is. I've sort of like tried to think about that a lot, and I think it's just it's it's escapism, you know, mm. it's it's fantasy, it's aspiration, it's. And particularly with things like film stars, they just happen to be the people who play out some of our most seminal moments in our lives. You know, you remember, um, I did a podcast with Antonio O'Brien. She does one on film and fashion. Admit one. Yeah, and it's great. And it's, um, you know, when you think about things like first dates and you know songs in films that that really punctuate your own life. Mm. So when you you really they just you just have this weird connection with these people mm. <laughs> which you don't have at all but you really feel like you do i mean goldie horn came a couple of years ago and the number of people in the room who came up to me like virtually in tears mm. because her life in film had meant so much to yeah. them in various ways um so i no i don't think that that will change i think that uh there are things about it that aren't great that it's not great when you read stories about people spending 
200 grand on plastic surgery to look like this or that person or mm. um, it's not great when you know they get away with virtual or even sometimes actual murder because they're famous but mm. I think on the whole I love the froth of a pretty person who's doing something that we all enjoy in popular culture why yeah. not yeah yeah and I think you have to have something to look up to and to sort of project onto well you know we've got to do something before we die so it's like this all of those people if they're really talented they just give us so much that we occupy our time with that you know Mm. that we really enjoy and that inspires us and makes us you know think certain ways or feel certain things or do certain things and you think about people who write the books that have meant so much to you in your life you know got to do something before you die you may as well enjoy what these people are doing well (laughs) <laughs> Precisely, and I do. Yeah. Chris Pratt's actually been filming Jurassic World 2, not too far from me. Oh, just, well, there you go. There's your it's sort of like a stalking pursuit. But I just thought, what would I do if I saw him? Because I do feel like I know him. Yeah. Because of what's my snack on Instagram. And I'd be like, hey, what's your snack today? And that's not cool. But Macklin and Janet Snakehole, they're my favourite. <laughs> Andy Dwyer is the perfect man. Yes, yeah. I love... I mean, Parks and Recreation, my daughter's just devoured that you're sort of like it's really fun watching her discover all the shows that we've loved and she loved that so I've just been reacquainted with everybody from Parks and Rec are you a are you a big tv we are I'm afraid probably too much but you know we're married and we work very hard and we don't go out that much and so we watch tv so yeah Netflix is one of life's greatest joys yes Parks and Rec I I know why I love it and I'm sure lots of listeners... Why, why do you love it? Because I think there's a very specific reason why people have an emotional attachment to um, work. I just think it's freaking hilarious, but I also think that um, Leslie Nope is probably the most inspirational, fictional character. You know, I think that there's something so... And I, it's interesting, if you watch the first series, they started out, I think, trying to make her quite David Brentish. I don't mm. think you were supposed to love her the way that we we all went on to love her mm. she was supposed to be a bit of a dick yeah and she was a bit of a dick but in a really delightful adorable way mm. but it didn't start out that way so I really enjoyed watching when they kind of like got her groove and they understood what she was supposed to be um and I just think that it's it's just so well written it's fantastic so well written and Ron Swanson for me is one of my favorite well of all time. I met Ron Swanson the other day well I didn't really meet him I actually I ran into him because Megan Mullally his did wife did the podcast so jealous. and then I went to her gig and she invited us back for a little beer backstage and I and I just I here's another one I just thought no I'm gonna say something stupid so but I I um was leaving and I smacked into him I was like oh sorry and then I realised who it Wait. was so yeah you smacked into Ron Swanson oh. yeah Nick Offerman everybody yeah yeah, yeah I, I let, let, let's call him by his actual name but yeah. yeah that would have been a moment yeah Duke Silver <laughs> I'm really genuinely having a moment what oh. else do you love watching uh, what have we been watching lately oh the other one that she got into which I didn't like at first and I've started to appreciate was um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine I love American comedy it always yes. makes me laugh when people People, particularly in Britain, are fond of saying how stupid Americans are. But the funny Americans are genius. And so I love... Andy Samberg. Yeah, I love all my American comedians. I really love them big time. Um, What else have we been watching? Oh, see, uh, we've been watching the new series of Veep, which is absolutely brilliant. There's a lot of Brits involved with that, actually. Um, It's fantastic. Uh, What else? Oh, I've started watching I Love Dick. I'm not sure about it. It's not a comedy. It's quite... 
Is it dark? It's dark. It's either the Chris Krause books brought to life. And uh, Have you yeah. watched Schitt's Creek? No. That I would highly recommend. Very palatable, bite-sized Eugene Levy and his son. Oh, OK. Well, I love Eugene Levy, so, yeah. And I've forgotten the name of the actress. Is it Catherine? The one Catherine who, O'Hara. That's it. Yeah, was yeah. In, Home Alone she's in all of those yeah show. yeah really actually them. i might have seen one of those when i was very tired i don't I vaguely remember it. i'll give it another go yeah yeah and the gift potential with dan levy <laughs> levy i've forgotten how to do it it's just amazing because his characteristics are on point excellent all right i'll write it down but yeah i know a lot of because i do tend to in the introductions talk about what i've been watching this week and i obviously social a lot of what i'm watching and i get lots of replies from people so it's very interesting to find out have you doubled with 13 reasons is it 13 reasons why I haven't yet? watched that yet no I don't really it doesn't appeal to me if I'm honest mm. and um, you know we don't want my daughter to watch it for obvious reasons so mm. we, do, we haven't really put that on so yeah yeah I just think if you're on Netflix always default to RuPaul's Drag Race there's seven seasons yeah although and, and we started letting my daughter watch that but then when this guy started um De- going into graphic detail about what barebacking meant the other oh. day, and we had to turn it off. And so then I felt like the worst parent in the world. Because <laughs> normally it's just like men in pretty makeup and dresses, and yeah. no one really cares. But every now and again, it's rather graphic. So yeah, <laughs> you have to pre-watch. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I learned that lesson the other day. Yeah. Um, what would you say to women? I have a lot of people who listen to the show who talk about pursuing their passions. This is a passion job, role, career, industry for lots of people, what advice would you give somebody who is thinking about pursuing a dream? Um, well, I'm, I don't know. I don't think I... Um, uh, what's the word? Conform to the script on this, if I'm honest. Because I think that... I think women get spoken to a lot more than men about pursuing their dream. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes pursuing the dream is you know possibly not always the best option in terms of being able to be Mm self-sufficient um I think that nobody told Alan Sugar to pursue a dream I think Alan Sugar went for money and Mm. you know and listen and all I'm saying is is I don't think there's any shame in that in sort of like looking at Mm. a market and thinking where can I you know make what's the best way for me to have yeah. a career and I think if you find something that's your passion and your dream I think that's wonderful but I think a lot of people get obsessed with that and worry if they're pursuing something that isn't hitting mm-hmm. them in the guts with love and passion yeah. and wanting to jump out of bed in the morning so in that circumstance I say don't panic about that do what you can today and and do brilliantly at it and you'll be amazed mm-hmm. at what that can lead to and what other opportunities that can open. I don't think it's... I, I worry about this, you know, as all those things, those quotes you see on Instagram about, you know, if you do what you love, it's like... And, and I get you it. You never work and, a day in your life. Yeah, and listen, I love what I do. But again, I said this on something else the other day. It's... Um, I meet a lot of women who say things to me like, someone said to me at a university, it must be amazing to just wake up and be so happy with what you do every day. And it's like, well, I am. But there are some really fucking boring parts of my job. Mm. There are some bad days. There are mm. the good days. And I, I think that don't buy the myth that mm. there is there are people out there who sail into work with, you know, woodland creatures following them, like some sort of, like, Disney scene 
work is work and, mm. and it's hard work. So I, I just feel like, you know, you may be freaking out because you, you're not in your dream right now, but it's not the disaster that people would have you believe that it is. Totally agreed. And Mother Pucker, Anna Whitehouse, came on the podcast recently and she said a very similar thing of like, yeah, yeah, everyone can tell you to follow your dream, but that month when you can't make rent, that's well, terrifying. you know, and that's the thing. And I, I think that we slightly... And I, again, I think we sell women this shame of wanting to be in something to make money. Mm. Um, and I and I don't think that there is a shame in that. I think, I think it's, you know, yes, it would be a great sadness if you worked your ass off every day and you were financially doing really well, but you were really gut miserable inside every mm. day. That's, that's a different thing. But I don't feel like... Sometimes I think people's passion is something that is you know, not going to make the rent. Mm. And I think that that's a conversation you possibly have to have with yourself. Because I agree with you. I think there was a pressure of 20 years ago, you didn't have all this stimulus of women following their passions. You know, there hadn't been women who had given up a career in banking to make cupcakes and had made millions from it. Yeah. And now there is almost like a pressure of, well, you should be doing something similar. Or there's just that... It's almost like having a designer handbag. You see a designer handbag, you think, well, I want that too. Mm. But it's not realistic for everybody. But that doesn't make you bad or wrong. No, and I, I also think that um, what I worry about for the next generation of university leavers and school leavers is um, there's no... I think that you and I grew up on much more of a linear career trajectory, mm. and I think now there's pressure to be to have these eclectic careers mm-hmm. and to do a bit of this and a bit of that and entrepreneur this and entrepreneur that. Well, you know what? We're not all entrepreneurs. Mm. And um, all the people who are entrepreneurs and all the people who are pursuing their passions also need the rest of the infrastructure to keep going. Mm. So there are still normal jobs out there that you can be very happy in, I think. And there's no shame in having a nine-to-five. No. we've Just just because Fight Club suggests that it's really terrible yeah. or falling down says that living a normal life can send you insane, that's not the I truth. mean, you know, my job is a lot of the time nine-to-five. It's like, you know, yes, I have to work late sometimes and sometimes have to work weekends, but generally speaking, I have to get home for my child and so I tend to do a normal office yeah. structure, yeah. And I think that's really positive to hear that because that you could think... Jo Elvin, what does she do? Well, she meets celebrities and she goes to the Glamour Awards and she does a Glamour Festival and she, you live through, and they think it's Instagram life. Mm, but it's yeah. such a distorted reality. Of course it is. Um, and, you know, you don't want me to put on Instagram my budget meetings, you know. It, it, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't want that or, you know, you don't want me to put on Instagram the 25, you know, performance and pay reviews I do every year. You know, it's like, you know, it's like who wants that? You know, I'm sometimes bitch about my journey to work on Twitter, but nobody wants to see my Victoria Line train on Instagram. You know, so it's how long yeah. is your commute, by the way? Oh, it's about on a good day, forty minutes. Okay, so, yeah. Talk to me about what you do on your commute. Um, I know it sounds really mundane, but a lot of people will be listening to this, hopefully on their commute and I think making the most of your commute in whatever way that might be well for me it really is I mean I'd love to say I sit and read a book and contemplate life but if I get a seat then I've got the iPad out and I'm checking the news so that I've prepared for we have a morning conference in here every morning at 10 o'clock to discuss what we're going to put online and I, I need to be informed so I spend a good sort of like 40 minutes 45 minutes 
just familiarising myself with whatever the hell's going on that day. And hopefully by the time I get here, I've formed a thought about something we can do to move that news on. So, mm. yeah. Um, yes, I, if I get to sleep, often I will sleep. I'm one of those... I, I can't... Think, uh, I can't sleep. I was one, I think I must have been one of those kids. Oh, I, no, I was. Back at... Emma can't sleep, let's take her for a drive. Oh, yeah. So any no. kind of motion, I'm... <sighs> No, I find it very difficult to switch off, actually. So, yeah. Another good point. So many media outlets, so many ways to communicate. Do you have a no phones in the bedroom kind of rule? Yeah, I don't take my phone into the bedroom. I can't stand that. Um, I usually get switched off about 11pm, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't sleep if that stupid thing was glowing all night. So, yeah. No, I need. I don't look at clocks. I don't like anything like that when I'm going to sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you a pitch... Black yep. kind of a yeah, I'll wear a mask. I need the pitch black. I need everyone to shut up. I need, you know, I mean, it's yeah. If the dog starts scratching herself, that's it. I'm awake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, do you have magnesium in your life? This is something yes, I actually I learned do, from yeah. Alex. Yeah, no, I definitely because I get migraines a lot, so and that helps with the lap. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Please tell me how you manage a migraine because I had a humdinger last week. Uh, I don't. You have to just lie down until it's done. It's horrendous. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. do you get migraine hangovers? Because I had one for four days where I just couldn't... Yeah, I tend to feel like I've been hit by a truck for a day or two afterwards, yeah. It's yeah. the worst. This is a fun subject. <laughs> well, I put, yeah. it on, I put it on Instagram, the yeah. amount of messages I got from people saying, I get them too, what do you take, how do you... Magnesium, but you stick with it. Stick with magnesium. You can't take it for two weeks and decide it doesn't work. You've got to take it for at least three months before I think it makes a huge difference. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I shall put some more details on that in the show notes. Yeah. I've got some stuff from Ian Marber about that. Women pursuing the dream, all of that kind of stuff. Where does feminism come into that? How do you Um, feel about the F word? uh, I don't know why people get so uptight about it. Uh, Yes, I'm a feminist. I don't know what else to say about that. Do you think that they're used... Do you think that the meaning has changed? Do you think that it used to be seen more as a dirty word? Uh, It may may well have used to have been seen as a dirty word, but it never has been. Mm. It's... um, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of propagating of misinformation about it. And at, at its heart, it's, do you believe that um, men and women should be equal? Yes, you're a feminist. No, you're not a feminist. You know, it's like, that's, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting because I had a, another conversation with someone on this podcast talking about how, was it on this podcast? I think it's yet to come out, talking about the fact that she was... Um, nervous to call herself a feminist because she worked in a very male-dominated environment. Right. And she felt that if she said that, she was almost declaring a handicap or saying... Oh, it just drives me me crazy. I can't stand that view. I really can't stand it. And I I do find it hard to... I find it hard to accept. I don't don't like it when people say, oh, but I'm not a feminist or anything, but I believe it. You know, it's... Mm -hmm. I I think that you're helping to to propagate the idea that it's a negative mm. I think and I think that if more people if you work with a bunch of guys and they they like working with you and they think you're a great person and a great contributor and everything if you call yourself a feminism a feminist maybe they will view the word differently mm. maybe you're making assumptions that they have negative connotations about the word and they mm. don't you know it's yeah interesting mm. I'm sure this is one that will rage on uh, yes on and you know and then of course there's the whole there are people who think that you're either a good feminist or a bad feminist, but I don't really want to get into that. But you know, it's like, but I think that there are people who 
um, would take issue with me being calling myself a feminist because I run a women's magazine. But you know, so but I think that let's just keep the line firm and that we believe that women and men should be equal. Therefore, we are feminists. Precisely. Mm. And it is, if you say, like you say, if it's just, just a simple thing like that, like the Women's March, it doesn't have to be a big to-do. It's just, if you believe that men and women should be equal, yeah. then well, you are a feminist. I quite liked what a big to-do that was, actually. And I think we need, it, you know, it was the start of something. We need to... Uh, what I like about the new wave of feminism is just the accountability and people um, just being more aware of the insidious and pernicious ways that sexism Mm -hmm. and misogyny affects us and so I think that that's what social media has really brought is just that that bigger accountability and the bigger conversation about it Mm. which I think has been wonderful for awareness and you know I think that it's the generation coming up behind us they're just not going to take the bullshit that that Mm. we've had to because they're more aware of the sneaky ways in which it's being perpetrated. Yeah, I had um, George Arnold, who's the executive director of the Staying Alive Foundation for MTV on this podcast, and she said the best thing about what's happened in America about Trump being president is that it's forcing people to become activists again. Mm. It's forcing people to actually crystallise how they feel about things and speak up, Mm. because perhaps under previous administrations, they didn't feel the need that they had to because they felt that their back was covered, so to speak. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's something like that that will start to affect more people. Whereas, you know, it's like we're, we're all such benefactors of quite comfortable political times. Mm. So it'll be interesting. Do you feel like the women that you speak to every day who read the magazine, who are engaging with you on social media, do you feel as though people are more political or politicised? Yeah, I think they are. I think they're more aware and, and want to be um, more socially, um, what's the word... I think that people want to work together more to build a better society, mm-hmm. and I think that we're slightly feeling people are slightly feeling more and more abandoned by their governments in that, and so working out how they can do it in their own space, I think. Mm. And I noticed a lot at the moment. My Facebook feed today is just lots of people saying, "Young people, please vote." There's never been a more important time for you to exercise yeah. your right to vote. I think they will. I, I would be really surprised if there isn't a big young voter turnout. So let's see, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Well, I know that you've got a 12 o'clock meeting. <laughs> what so time is it? <laughs> I want to give you plenty of time, so I want to sign off with um, the what's next, where's it all going, um, what's next for Glamour, what's next for you? Oh, gosh, get the crystal ball out. I'm, look, <laughs> I, you know, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, um, I'm always saying I'm sort of embarrassed that I'm not bored in the job because we have been here a long time, but uh, it's... We've got, I don't, I can't really go into, but we've got big plans for the next 12 months that are sort of like taking us uh, more strongly into different mediums beyond print, but obviously print is still hugely important to us. Mm. The new format that we launched earlier this year is selling brilliantly well mm. and I think brought a lot of people back to the print title. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting times, definitely challenging for all media, mm. but it's, I don't know, I think, I genuinely feel like we're doing some of our best work across mediums so it's a really fun time to be part of it that is a really interesting perspective because like I said I have lots of conversations when I'm out and about and people talk about the challenges but as you say that makes it more exciting yeah it's it does it's you know there's you know there are things that are are difficult uh we're doing jeopardy in it yeah we're doing more with less you know all, all of those things that a lot of media are but 
it is presenting um, opportunities and things like you know the beauty festival it was a lot of work mm. but god it was it was so successful and and so so validating to see that many people love the brand and so it is things like that that i i i couldn't believe on. it when i yeah. went because I, I i think it was the first yeah it was the first time that i've been i couldn't believe how full it was yeah when i went to the estee Lalonde alex steiner facebook live I couldn't believe how engaged people were. Like, every time they went to go and ask a question, the entire room wanted to know something. Yeah, yeah um, they they love it, you know. And I think that it's been a real joy to head this brand because I think that we do have the audience that that gets involved the most. Mm. And they're really lovely people. They, they like the magazine because it's quite a positive outlook and things, and that's reflected in who comes to see us. Mm. And we, we love them. There you go, glamour yeah. readers. You we are love loved. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the best note to end on is really just to put on tape to have it committed to audio the trademark for curry pants. <laughs> yeah, that's my trademark. So Jules Von Hepp, who has been on this show, and I'm sure listeners you will know, has an excellent podcast called Jules and Sarah with Sarah Powell. It um, was excellent until I went on it, and then it, was, <laughs> and it went slightly I downhill. <laughs> was howling on the train, and then because I'm in the bizarre position of following you all on Twitter, then just started live tweeting you <laughs> my listening to it. I know, I loved st- that. Yeah. So, um, Joe, we were talk- talking about, because I, Jules and Sarah like cheese and food. Yes. And you coined curry pants, which is, you know, the trousers that you wear when you're having a big takeaway. Yeah, baggy, elasticated, you know, room for all manner of sins, <laughs> internal and external. Pastry bats. Amazing, you know they're going to be dark as well, so that inevitably the stain of the butter chicken <laughs> doesn't ruin them. Next time you want to wear them, are they so foul that if the postman, um, yeah, they're you... gorgeous. They're actually really nice, sort of like crepe ones from J Crew. <laughs> <laughs> and I think J Crew missed a trick not calling them curry pants. But yeah. Well, it's trademark because we don't want the same situation that happened to poor old Kanye. <laughs> Exactly, with his leather leggings. <laughs> with leg- I don't know what they were, yeah. but he was really upset about yeah, that. Yeah, well... I mean, yeah, genuinely... Well, mixed. Word to everybody. Word to you, Alexander Wang. Yeah, Curry pants are mine. Curry pants are <laughs> Joe Elvin. So, yeah, see your ready-to-wear collection coming yeah. to a runway near yeah. you. Yeah, ready to wear, ready to wipe clean, all of those, all the things that we all want. Thank you for going on a magical mystery tour of Thank lots you. of different topics yeah. with me, Joe. It's been brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. If you aren't already, please do go over to iTunes and subscribe. And that's also the place where you can leave a five-star rating, if that's how you feel about it. And you can also write a little review. Now, lots of you have been writing these reviews. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been sharing those posts. Thank you so much for the time and effort it takes to just send those reviews. They mean the world to me and your feedback is just incredible. Get in touch and let me know what you think of the show. You can email me, head over to emmaguns.com, click that envelope and that message will come straight to my inbox. Or you can tweet me at emmaguns or you can also comment under any of my pictures on Instagram where I'm also at emmaguns. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and don't forget to tune in next time for another amazing guest on The Emma Guns Show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.